Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. The highest scoring team of the NFL weekends, the Green Bay Packers. Just so we're all on the same page. It is the Two-Tail Nuanas show. Isn't that what this is? I don't know. It's your program. Yeah. I just participate. It's the Cult of Nuanas two-hour show with Ryan Two-Tail. It's Two-Tail Nuanas. No, no, this How is going to be the Two-Tail two-hour show because I have nothing to say. That is uh, that is a lie. We are happy to be with you on a Monday afternoon coming out of the first full weekend of football across the board. Uh, Class AA getting into action at the high school level. Obviously, the NFL the first weekend is uh, ongoing. And in fact, a doubleheader on Monday Night Football tonight starting in about an hour from now. So we'll get into uh, all of that stuff. The NBA is seeing a very surprising Game 7 tomorrow night. Pumped up about that. Nuggets Clippers. And what I don't, what do we know now? U.S. Open Week. Are you kidding me, Coulter? So we got plenty to get to in a big Monday show. Happy to have you on board. Thanks for rolling along with us. Let's uh, get into a couple of things. First of all, if you want to participate in the show, we want to have you in here. 361-3688. 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the 
the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. You can text that line as well, 361-3688. We love to have you in here talking with us, interacting with us uh, anytime you would like to. Give us your best or worst of the NFL weekend. That's what we're looking for in the first segment. Best and worst of the NFL weekend, whether it was a team, whether it was a player, whether it was a coach, whatever it might be. Best and worst, 361-3688. You can call, you can type it in, you can text it in. If you want to listen live, you go to the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com, 1029ESPN.com. There, you got the Grizz Great Silver Anniversary Podcast Series available for you. You got the old Grizz Great Series, the Montana Grizzly uh, Basketball, Men's Basketball Coaching Tree, and you have this show live streaming all the time that it's on. And if it's not on, you still got the station stream up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, here we are. The uh, the smoke season has begun. It's not even our fault this time around, but we're in it. And, well, uh, I mean... Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Montana. I think it's everybody's well, fault. Well, it's everybody's fault. Montana, but, you know, sometimes it's we're Montana not fires. Down. We're not going to go down this just, road. Just, 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 just be charitable with me today. Well, buddy, I, know. I, I, I can't just... really think. I can't hardly breathe. I woke up in a daze because of the haze. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm here just trying to, you know, get through two hours here with you. But there is a lot to cover when you there, talk there about. There is a lot to cover. Let's talk about the smoke just for one minute. Okay. I, just, I think putting it in this perspective is uh, – important because i was just outside for a brief moment in time my head hurts really bad already uh, just from that brief moment outside and like you said most of these fires are not even local they're raging all along the west coast and, and spokane i guess th- and and spokane as well Canada. fires are such a commonplace thing in montana but i also think i don't want to take for granted is the wrong word wrong, wrong phrasing but they when you have wildfires that are the caliber of what you have in Montana, but you have them in other places where there's just such higher population density, you see the devastation. Mm. In Montana, a lot of times we can protect the structures and let the fire burn because we have open space. We have national forest land. We're seeing this in Portland right now. I mean, I read that something like 500,000 people are making an exodus out of the Portland-Salem yeah. super metropolitan area. But to put this in perspective, the air quality index right now, which is the main way of gauging the air quality in your neck of the woods. I was just talking to my brother in, in Bozeman. He said that it's pretty smoky in Bozeman. I said, well, it's the air quality index there is 148. Right now, Missoula in real time, it's 175. So that's 10 points above the red level, the highest in Montana right now, Libby, Montana, which is 295, which is considered Ooh. incredibly unhealthy. 220 is basically the don't go outside except for emergencies rating. Well, my one of my best friends lives in Portland. She sent me an air quality index of Portland. At that moment in time, the air quality index in Portland was 483, and it had reached mm. as high as 550. That's approaching lethal levels. That means you actually could die being outside in the smoke for a long duration of time. I never thought that that was possible. That's a that's an amazing and really horrific thing to think about. Yeah, it's uh, it's bad. Well, it's bad a lot of places, and it's worse uh, some places. And uh, you know we. We hope that uh, this comes under control, obviously, at some point uh, here soon. And uh, and we get some rain, we get some wind, maybe, and we clear this thing up a little bit. So, uh, all right, Coulter, the NFL this weekend. Um, first of all, I asked for best and worst of, and then the people out there are already messing with us all. Uh, one texter wants to know is who would win in a race. 
you or me, and we should do it live on air. Now, first of all, us racing live on air, I don't see that as a real possibility, and we can sell this for you right now. It doesn't matter the distance. It doesn't matter the duration, a sprint, a mid-range, a, uh, 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 what, a hurdle race or a long-distance race. Coulter will win any race against me. That is a just a plain fact. I mean, the only way that it doesn't happen is a just straight injury to you you are down and i go hobbling on by at the 11th hour but that's you know if you're curious who's going to win in a race it ain't me okay so there you go that's only, because, that's only, because, it's only because the last time you ran i was still playing high school sports that's right i uh i'm trying to think about the last time i ran it was because there was some emergency i'll put it like this a friend of mine was up at 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 the lake house okay okay his one and a half year old son was on the dock in a you know in not just a life vest but a life vest that rolls you over and all that kind of thing i was on you know up near the house which is i don't know say 50 yards from the lake shore i don't know maybe less he was with me Another friend was with me, but the kid got left on the dock by himself for just a moment while some things were moved. Well, sure enough, he tried to grab something and fell off the dock into the lake. I didn't even get up out of my chair because I just knew there's no point in me even attempting to win this race down to the water, even when, you know, a potentially risky situation was actually taking place, which, of course, it wasn't risky at all. The kid was just laying in the water on his back, a little bit cold and somewhat surprised. I'm not running anywhere, okay? You want to rob me? Have it. All you got to do is ask. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't have to fight me. You don't have to bring out a weapon. Just ask me. You know what I mean? I can't do anything. You can take it. Everything I have, it's yours. So there you go. Uh, Coulter... Best and worst of the weekend, NFL style. You got a couple, I got a couple. We'll go through these. I'm not trying to be a jerk about this, but as a matter of fact, the Green Bay Packers were one of the best of the weekend. They scored 43 points, and the way that they moved the ball against the Minnesota Vikings made me very, very happy. Certainly being, the Minnesota is the in my opinion, number two team in the NFC North. They're the next best team in the NFC North after Green Bay. I think they're going to be a playoff team, ultimately, with the expanded playoff the way that it is. Uh, Kirk Cousins was was terrible in this football game, and this is the Kirk Cousins that I'm familiar with. I know you hate Kirk Cousins, and after a game like this, you're very justified in that. He's also going to have some games where he plays really well, and they're going to win. does that actually win you the game? Yes, it does. He never is the person that provides winning plays, period. He might be on the team that wins. He does not provide winning okay. plays, period. Well, He's the least winning quarterback in the league. He's the biggest loser that plays quarterback in the NFL. We'll file uh, Kirk Cousins under bad for culture then. or worse I mean, dude, I would take, at this point, man, I would take anybody. Yeah, Gardner Minshew, let's go. Gardner Minshew played pretty well, and the Jags won the football game. Yeah, because so. he plays winning football because he's a winner. He's not a loser like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> in any case, uh, 43 points, though, outscoring everybody else in the league in terms of the total number there. And even though they gave up, I think, 32, a lot of that was late in the game where it was pretty well in hand. Standard and, Kirk Cousins. And, uh, Throwing two touchdown so passes I was, down three I was scores. very happy about that. The other from a team, actually I had two more teams. One team is the Baltimore Ravens. The the other side of that, of course, is the Cleveland Browns, who were just horrific, like yeah. embarrassingly bad in every way. And in I think it was 38-6, the final of this football game, 
this is more to me, amazingly, about the Browns than it is about the Ravens. Even though the Ravens are really good, I think that there's every reason to think that they are um, right. I mean, it's 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 them and Kansas City is the two best teams in the AFC, right? I mean, that's it. And and I think there's good reason to think that Baltimore might even be better than Kansas City in in certain respects. But in any case, this was no way to identify that on Sunday with the Cleveland Browns just awful. Baker Mayfield, a 65 QBR. Odell Beckham, three receptions for 22 yards. Overthrows everywhere. Awful execution. Everything bad. It was just atrocious, and this is why. Uh, you know, as I've been burned before, you just can't sit here and think, well, they got a bunch of talent. They're going to be good. They are awful, awful, awful. And I am one week away from completely writing off the Cleveland Browns. I'm not doing it this week. I will do it next week if it does not improve drastically for the Cleveland Browns. But uh, still on the best, though, the Baltimore Ravens are the real deal. Lamar Jackson is so sweet, man. I mean, just unbelievable what his flash value is as a quarterback. It is it is stunning to watch him play and and so very impressive. And the other team, and I'm going to get into an individual out of this, but the best of the weekend to me, the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals travel to the Bay Area, play the San Francisco 49ers, who, yes, we're the NFC representatives in the Super Bowl, and I think you and I, I mean, you think they're the best team in the NFC. I certainly have them as a top three team in the NFC. Yep. This game's notwithstanding. It's a week one deal. But Arizona... People wanted to see them take the next step. I thought that this is a team that would be competitive. Uh, I didn't think they would win this game, though I did pick them to cover the spread, and they went out and they got it done. Guess what? Guess what? DeAndre Hopkins, career-high receptions and yards in his first game as a Cardinal. I mean, what more do you want to know? He went for 14 for 151 in his debut against the Niners, man. Like, that's so impressive. And so I just think Arizona, does this mean that they're now all of a sudden some frontrunner or something like that? No, it doesn't. But it does show a level of moxie, a level of, of uh, you know strides that have been made that were being made last season that you feel like, okay, you're not ready to write anything anything in big and bold anywhere after week one in the NFL, man. You just that's, that's silly to do. You wait a month in the league before you start making sort of broad sweeping predictions or, or, or uh, conclusions about the NFL. But that was a that was a great first week for the Cardinals, and that is a huge building block to me to not just be good against San Francisco, but to win against San Francisco. I'm going to echo all those points. We're going to get into the Vikings-Packers a little bit more because you and I argued all week last week about the NFC. But to be clear, we were never arguing about the Packers. We were arguing about That's right. the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Vikings, and the Saints. And we were arguing over which teams could go into places like New Orleans and San Francisco, who I thought preseason were going to be the top two teams in the NFC, and win. And we and never I, and I we never, we never, actually analyzed the Packers, but I, I was teasing you and Sean Rainey on the Make It Rainey podcast last week that the, the thing that you guys do is you actually underrate your own teams. And I, <laughs> if you would have brought the Packers into the argument, and I didn't, you didn't, and so we didn't go down that road, I would have said they were actually the ones that had the best chance to win at those places over Seattle or Minnesota. And I still think that, but we'll get into that in a, in a minute. I completely agree with what you're saying. The over the the week the week one overreactions sometimes kill me. I think you have to le- you have to read between the lines based on what you know about the specific franchises, what's new, what's not new, mm-hmm. the dynamics that go into the game to maybe have 
real takes or this is just one game on the schedule and it just fell one way or the other. So just quickly, KC defeats Houston. Kansas City looked exactly like I thought they were going to look. Yep. Buffalo pounds the Jets. Okay, expected it. Buffalo's good. Josh Allen's got a lot of juice. I'm totally into it. The Bear, the Lions blow it against the Bears. Duh. Of course they did. <laughs> I can't believe Rainey <laughs> talked me into picking the Lions. Like I, Rainey had such a compelling argument that on that podcast I picked the Lions because he talked me out of picking the Bears. And I just I was just kicking myself yesterday because I was just thinking, thank God I didn't put real money on this because how could I possibly forget that it's the Lions? I mean, you even the rookie comes in and just drops the game winning touchdown DeAndre Swift. And it, I mean, you it's feel in the air, you man. feel awful for him because I mean, well, we'll get into it because they're on my worst of the weekend too. But yeah, okay, go ahead. So Green Bay, Minnesota. I thought we both agreed actually that Green Bay should have been the favorite in that game. Yes. Green Bay looked like the yep. better team. Green Bay is the better team, and that's fine. I think Green Bay has a chance to win the NFC. I really do. I, I really think that if you were to make Week One power rankings, Green Bay is number one in the NFC. Coming out of this week, then, yeah, I think I think New Orleans. Okay, would be okay, number one. but Green Bay's number yeah, two. They're yeah. ahead. They're ahead of San Francisco, so that means they made a move. They are yeah. for sure. Yeah, New England. I know that they have some new things, and obviously Cam Newton scoring two rushing touchdowns was a breath of fresh air for the Patriots. But the Patriots beating the Dolphins after the Dolphins beat the Patriots in Week 17 last year, not a surprise. And I just I thought that there was some new things, but also same stingy defense, same Pats. The probably the the most disheartening in terms of what I actually put money on this weekend bet that was lost was Philadelphia Washington. Oh, okay. The Eagles just completely blew it. They're, they're up seventeen nothing. They're up seventeen nothing, and, and, and we're sitting there thinking we're cruising. We got the Sunday ticket on. We're going through the games. We're like, well, that one's in the in the bag. Yeah. Let's just keep going between the other ones. That said, I'm still not going to overreact because I do think a breath of fresh air in Ron Rivera playing for uh, to overcome all the noise and nauseation of the last couple months for the Redskins because of a variety of different factors and controversies and distractions and, and tragedies and terrible health, you know, news. I mean, yeah, Rivera's got sure. cancer. That's a terrible thing. But also then you have the Daniel Snyder scandal. You have the naming, the renaming controversy, all of it. I'm not surprised that I, I shouldn't say I'm not surprised because it was a surprising result, but you can actually read into why it happened. Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders versus Panthers. Two, two unknown teams. The Raiders hold on. They almost pull a Raiders, but they don't. I think that's a positive step, but I'm still not reading too much into that game. Ravens pound the Browns like we thought they would. The Chargers, they almost pull a Chargers. The Chargers almost blow it. Joe Burrow almost leads the comeback in his first start for Cincinnati, but instead, for once, for the first time in two decades plus, it's the Bengals that miss the game-tying kick, and the Chargers get out of there on the field goal. Amazing, yeah. That's different, but the fact that the Chargers were in a, a claw and scrap game, not that surprised either. The Saints beating the Bucks. I know that a lot of people are hot on the Bucks. I still think the Bucks could be pretty good. I'm not surprised, though, because I think the Saints at home are one of the three best teams in the league. I mean, we, we both picked the Saints to win that game. If anything surprising, it's that Tom Brady... He still, he still had some Tom Brady moments in there, but... I mean, throwing he, that pick six is a hundred percent on him. I mean, that's just a bad yep. read and yep. a bad ball. You don't see that from Tom Brady. And he had man. two. He had two. He had yeah, a bad pick in the first half too. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the thing that's surprising out of that game. But the Saints winning it is not surprising. Hundred percent. I, I know you were hot on Arizona. I still it still remains to be seen if they can sustain that hype. But Kyler Murray is a real deal, man. He's got as much juice as anybody in the league besides Mark Lamar Jackson. He's an absurd athlete. He's crazy to watch. I mean, he's so. Fast and he's so dynamic. His zero to one hundred percent is 
is fast. He's not faster than Lamar Jackson. You know how I know? Because no one no on one. earth is no faster one. than Lamar Jackson. But his his from 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 a dead stop to all the way accelerated, he's the fastest. He is. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, they can all throw on the run. There's no one that can sprint and throw like Kyler Murray. No mm. one. No one. He mm. can full sprint without... <laughs> and, and Rogers, It's the baseball thing, Rogers right? Rodgers stops. Lamar Jackson glides. Russell Wilson uses his footwork. Kyler Murray is, like you said, he's a straight shortstop. He can Raphael for yeah. call it up the middle. It's <laughs> unbelievable, dude. He's so fun to watch. That said, though, my biggest takeaway from that game is that San Francisco's got to get somebody back at receiver or they got to go make a move because they got nothing. Mm. They got nothing. With George Kittle, I mean, he hyperextended his knee. It looked really bad. He played in the second half. He's downplaying that he's not out. If you see hyperextensions, you listen to doctors. Hyperextension is the easiest way to tear your knee. That doesn't mean you're out, but he hurt something in there for sure. If there's anybody that can play through that, it's the toughest man in the NFL, George Kittle. Mm -hmm. But he's not going to be 100%. He's going to be a little bit hobbled. they got to find somebody else because with Debo Samuel out, I mean, they had nothing, man. I think their receivers caught three passes. And see, So this is, this is something that I want to talk to you about, okay, broadly. You were all over the Seattle Seahawks about the weakness of their defensive line, and they, they sure. there's no argument about that. That's that's that is a fact. The defensive front of the San Francisco 49ers is one of the top three in football. It might be the best in football. I mean, they are they are just just incredibly an incredible group. Okay? It depends on how much Javon Kinlaw can replace DeForest Buckner, but still, you're correct. Yeah. I mean, they're. Nick Bosa, Armstead, and I mean, their defense in general. I mean, they're they're really good at every level, and they're they're uh, just a uh, they're an elite front for sure. Uh, they are an elite running team. They are, and they are exceedingly weak at wide receiver, which makes their what I would say okay, okay to a little better than okay quarterback. Sure, puts him in a really bad spot Especially because you, goes down. you need playmakers when you're only you know okay at the quarterback spot. So what I'm saying is, would you rather be good at wide receiver or good at the defensive front? The defensive front, right? No, there's no there's no argument about that. I'm not no no I don't think anybody would sit here and 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 say otherwise. But any weakness that you have in the NFL can get exploited. And the Niners weakness got exploited yesterday. And and even though I mean holding the Arizona Cardinals is twenty four points. That's a that's a very, uh, 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 you know, that's a solid defensive effort. Okay, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of teams that are going to give up a lot more than twenty four to Arizona this season. So I think the, the the San Francisco defense acquitted itself well, but the offense they're going to have to at some point score a little bit. And I mean, the Arizona defense supposedly is better this year than it was a year ago. Of course, they were really bad statistically last season. But that's not like, you know, nobody's sitting here going, oh, wow, look out for that Cardinal defense. You know what I mean? They got some players, but everybody's got some players. So that is a concern for the 49ers. No doubt. So that then brings me to, there's a few teams, though, I think that you can read a little bit more. I don't want to do full week one overreacts, but... No, you, you what could, the heck? No, no, no. I'm just saying you can you can see a little bit different just just in what they're playing. This is both good and bad. Number one, number one, first and foremost, and and I'm still not ready to anoint them like you are, but I will absolutely eat crow on my analysis of the Seattle Seahawks all week last week because here's the thing, man. 
I agree with your premise that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are one of the best quarterback-coach combos in the NFL. That said, Pete Carroll has had a definitive style that he has played with in the NFL for the duration of his head coaching career. It has been all about drag him into the fourth quarter, figure out how to have it be a one-score game. We're either going to lose by four or win by three. That's how we do things in Seattle. There's no such thing as a blowout. We're never going to route anybody. They're never going to route us. We believe in our quarterback, but we believe in him to be the most supreme game manager in the history of the league, not the greatest gunslinger. What do they do? Cook with Ross is what they do. That's exactly what they did. They straight let it fly, and they said, oh, wow, we're actually not that we've had this guy on our team for eight years, and he's now 30. We're going to let him just be the dude. And he looked like absolutely, with the exception of your boy Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the league yesterday. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they got an argument. But Russell Wilson, in terms of pure quarterback play, If the MVP voting was after one Right, right, right. right. But, I mean, he lit it up, man. He lit it up. I think think Atlanta has has real problems defensively. They do. But if Russell Wilson is going to let it rip like that, that we, here's this is not an over week one overreact. We've never seen the Seahawks open it up like that. Yeah, like they did. Uh, we're going to spend some time with the Seahawks again. We we are very happy to be the affiliate of the Seattle Seahawks this season here at ESPN Radio. Uh, you heard the game here Sunday. You'll hear every game all season long uh, on these airwaves. So we're going to spend. A, a, a portion of time, 10 minutes each each Monday, uh, presuming that it was a Sunday game. It's a Thursday. We'll do it Friday. You, you get the drill. But um, we will uh, we will break down uh, a little bit of what we saw in the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on, on them now, but I, yeah. I agree with you. I think there are... There's there's even more to what you're saying that actually mitigates toward your impression sure, sure. Uh, initially of them, but they were great. They went on the road and they they blew the doors off of Atlanta. And even mm-hmm. though Atlanta, I mean Matt Ryan, he threw for four fifty in know, this game, I know, I know, and it's the same thing like Kirk Cousins. It's just like well, but it's it's empty calories, right? That's what uh, it, it, that's exa- what Bobby Houck has told us at t- not at, t- at times exactly. about uh, passing yards. It's like eh, sometimes they're valid and sometimes they ain't exactly. Yeah. You go through the last 15 years of the NFL, you do have your 5,000-yard passing seasons that are Peyton Manning and Tom Brady when they're just straight lighting it up. And yep. You also have your 5,000-yard passing seasons where Jameis Winston throws 30 picks <laughs> or where Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> throws for 5,200 yes. on an 8-8 team yes. or when Kirk Cousins throws for 4,800 for a four-win Washington Redskins team. Sometimes passing yards are completely empty. So that my Seattle was okay. one of my ones. The other one is the Los Angeles Rams. I thought that that was an mm. impressive win was. last night. Was. The Rams, I think, are going to be better defensively People were wondering what's going to happen without Todd Gurley. I think they have a pretty good one-two punch. And anonymous guys like Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown, I think those guys are both really good. They have obviously great receivers. Sean McVay is one of the most uh, aggressive play callers in the NFL. But then, I mean, we can just sit here and Mahomes this, Russell Wilson that, Lamar Jackson this. The best player in the NFL, not even close, is Aaron Donald. He's the best player in the NFL. <laughs> He's the best player in the NFL, so man. Sweet. He's stupid good, man. The Cowboys have one of the best offensive lines in the league. He straight picked Zach Smith up and tossed him on his first sack. He beat a triple team for a sack last night. I've never seen that. They're, Aaron Donald's lined up in the A-gap. They are down blocking with the center and the guard and chipping with a running back, and he still gets pressure. It's not even possible. Um, I'm not going to argue it. Uh, he is he is insane. The other takeaway I would have on that on that from the other side of the coin and yep. this this would be this would be an overreaction i'm not ready to do this yet from uh, my you know chairs uh, on the radio but if i was a dallas cowboy fan yeah i would be i my 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 throat would be in my stomach right now 
because what I just watched last night out of the, the Dallas Cowboys was the Dallas Cowboys to an absolute T. Like a really good football team that has a lot of talent that goes out there and plays a pretty good football game, yep. but a coach that didn't make the best call that he probably could have made within a crucial moment, five minutes to go, a call that goes against you, and you can you know say what you want to say about the, 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 the OPI and all that, and all of a sudden you walk out with an L. And sometimes, man, the more things change, the more they say the same. You get a new coach, new GM in Cleveland, and they look like a they look like Cleveland. And the Dallas Cowboys, they get Mike McCarthy, and I know he's got a Super Bowl, but I've been watching Mike McCarthy for 15 years, and, and I like been, Mike McCarthy. I like Mike McCarthy. I think he's an upgrade from Jason Garrett. But I don't know that the Cowboys all of a sudden are the team that everybody wants them to be. They're going to win some games. I think they can, you know, I think they can and should win their division. But ugh. Ugh. That's not what you wanted to see in you know a good game. And the Rams are a good football team. Good. But you and I aren't sitting here going, Rams are tier one NFC. A couple guys that I listened to a betting podcast with both said they'd bet the house that the Rams are going to win the NFC. Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, it's probably because the best. I can it's find best, any podcast house. with a couple I of guys to it. do the thing. I get it. I get it. Oh, it's an Okay. Well, it's an Aussie. All I'm saying is, look, man, we, we've talked. We. we we broke the NFC West into a million pieces last week, so we don't need to revisit it. But there, it's a very good division. It is a very good division. And that's why the Rams, to me, aren't a favorite in the NFC because sure. of what – Because you never they – could, they, could they could finish first. They could finish third, maybe fourth, yep. you know, if it all went but, bad. But, but if you truly have the best player in the league – at two different positions. How many teams actually have the best player in the league at two different positions? What's the second position? Jalen Ramsey. If he's happy, he he was the best corner in the league. He got disgruntled. We we decided to unanoint him as the best corner in the league. He's still pretty freaking good. I'm I'm just there. There's a lot. Who's to, the best corner in the league? There's a lot to be. No no no. I'm not going to argue that. I'm saying there's a lot to be said for what you're saying. Jared Goff is going to have to show me something. I agree. You know, but I take all. him over a lot of guys. He's got a lot more potential. Here's my two losers, my biggest losers. Just okay. as cut and dry, point blank, simple. It's not even a conversation. It's horrific coaching. You should be on the hot seat starting today, even though this is only week one. If you are the Indianapolis Colts and you have the best offensive line in the National Football League and you have not just Marlon Mack, I know he tore his Achilles, so now he's out, but you have not just Marlon Mack, you have not just Jonathan Taylor, you have Nasheem Hines. You go out there with your brand-new 40-year-old quarterback and throw the ball 46 times. That is inexcusable against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Colts, that was an abomination. Run the ball 50 times. It's the Jaguars. Now, I'm not saying that you're not genuine in your football care here. I also know for a fact, though, that ruined your parlay, and that's why I think there's an extra level of Well, angst. sure. Well, sure. <laughs> but the Colts to me to me though to me though the Colts and the Vikings you don't put the ball in the hands of your quarterback to win the game unless you got a dude who can win you the game the fact that the Vikings that Dalvin Cook had 12 carries that's ridiculous it's, it's ridiculous you just gave him 67 million dollars on Friday it's really it makes no so is that the other one that's the other one yeah. that's what I'm saying like if you got a, if you got dudes and your whole game plan is defense and run the ball you got to play defense and run the ball why are the, I mean the the Colts didn't I don't remember watching the Colts run the ball in the fourth quarter I how I I am with you on this I think Frank Reich 
didn't do his best job, even though I think he's a great coach. I really like. I do too. Frankly. I do too. I think Mike but, Zimmer's a but, pretty good coach but too. But you can't. You, you can't, you can't do, do it. Yeah, but 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 that's the whole thing. That's why the arc of the NFL season is fascinating because it's not like I'm just spouting some revelatory statement here. Frank Reich knows what I'm saying. He yeah. knows you can't do that. Mike Zimmer's no dummy. How do we know that make that Frank Reich made the choice? That's Old right. Phil can walk that's out right. there that's and right. decide that's to right. pull it back that's, and that's right. sling that, away. That, and that's exactly it. And that's okay. exactly it. But here's the thing. You're not going to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers running 42 offensive plays. And you're not going to be able to run more than 42 offensive plays if you're the Vikings if you only give Dalvin Cook the ball 12 times. One thing leads to the other. You have to stay ahead of the chains. Kirk Cousins is not a third and 10 quarterback. No matter what you think of what he can do, yeah. he's not a third and 10 quarterback. He's a third and four quarterback. You run the ball in first and second down if you're the Vikings. That's it. Do tell Nuanas ESPN Radio Double A football finally got underway this past weekend. We'll tell you what happened, especially cross town rivalry in the city of Missoula. I know Coulter called a, a football game on Friday. I did say game. Really Florence. impressed. I can't wait to talk about. Yeah, it. so we'll uh, we'll get into a bunch of stuff here with you at the high school level right after this, boys and girls. It's all happening, and I mean that. The NFL just begun. The NHL and the NBA they were delayed, so they're in their Stanley Cup and NBA Finals runs. And Major League Baseball season is coming down to the wire in this 60-game sprint. They're all on. You need more than one. Heck, you need more than two or five TVs. How about 55 TVs to watch him on? Go to the Silver Slipper because they got 55 TVs for every sport on under the sun that is on right now. Drink specials every single day. They got 20 Keno machines as well, a liquor store, pizza. There is nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team at the Silver Slipper. It's always all about great food, tasty beverages, and the years to have a good time. And, oh, by the way, the card room is back and open for nightly games at 7 o'clock. Call or text 333-1500. That's 333-1500. Or visit MissoulaPoker.com for more info. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets across the street from Walmart on Brooks. And also check them out on Facebook for daily drink specials and up-to-the-date info. Silver Slipper. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Welcome back to Tell New Honest 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Uh, it is time for our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. Uh, Colter, just went through the scores, particularly at the double A level, but just a quick hitter for uh, the city of Missoula here in particular. But Big Sky beat Hellgate 48 uh, 20. Hellgate uh, got a, 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 some offense going a little after a little while, but there's really no answer for Colter Janicaro. He accounted. 
accounted for five touchdowns and 347 yards in this game. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's going to be the best player that, that Big Sky has, and he is a next level type of player. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a sorry he's a college yes, level sure. uh, uh, talent, and he showed it. He showed why he was injured a season ago, and so if people are like, well, where 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 has this kid been? Where's his radar? Well, he hasn't been playing, so you know, but he's playing now and. 347 and 5, uh, well, it's pretty good. No question. It's it's amazing. So, a couple notes here on Coulter, Janicaro, and the Big Sky Eagles. First of all, that game played at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Yep. I have to think that there was somebody from the Montana coaching staff sitting there watching or observing or looking at Twitter at the very least. Coulter, Janicaro is so much like his brother in the fact that I guarantee you that Montana has not been hot on his trail, recruiting him heavily yet because they want to make him prove it as a senior. And if and when he does prove it, which 347 total yards in game one, pretty good start. Yeah. They're going to go after him just like they did their brother. I mean, Bobby Houck told us, he said, you know, Bobby Houck's on the job for less than a week. When And we were sitting here thinking, man, Levi Janicaro just led Big Sky to eight wins, led him to the number two seed in the playoffs. He's not getting recruited by anybody. Outside the Frontier Conference, what's the deal? Well, Bobby Hawks on the job for less than a week. He drives down to Big Sky High School and says, hey, son, you want to be a Grizzly? <laughs> Levi says, sure thing, coach. Bang. That's what it is because he, it, the, those two kids, they have the toughness that Bobby Hawk wants. Yep. And Janet Caro, Coulter Janet Caro, I think, is much in the mold of his older brother. I don't know yet if he has the grit and the and the winning mentality because Levi Janet Caro had that in spades, more than a lot of kids I've seen since I've been back in Missoula and back in Montana. He's special when it comes to the mental part of the game. That said, I think Colter Janicaro, he's not as big as Levi, but he's more athletic. He's faster. He's shiftier. But then on the Big Sky Eagles note, we had Matt Johnson on the show on Friday. Yep. Matt's a, Matt, Matt was my coach all the way through my entire time at Big Sky, and so I have a closer relationship with Matt than any other cl- any other coach in the state of Montana because he's like a, a mentor to me. He's mm-hmm. like a father figure to me. I, Matt's first high school coaching job was coaching me when I was a freshman, yeah. our freshman team. Which is remarkable that he's still doing it. Like, that would have been sure. a cause for quitting just on the spot. No if question. you were the first guy to walk through the door <laughs> on your first day, you know, working the thing, and it's this is the guy I got to coach. Oh, great. <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, but, but that said, so I've talked to Matt a lot just about the trials that exist at Big Sky. They're very real. It, it's a very tough job. He deserves so much credit for being the longest tenured coach, I believe, in Double A right now. Hmm. He's been there for I think twelve seasons now. Now that we've had these, the retirement of guys like Jack Johnson, Paul Claybo, Ron Lebsock, Troy, Tony Arnston, these guys that were been there for twenty plus years. Matt's kind of the dawn of the coaches now. Yeah. But what I'm getting at here is that when you have the number struggles that they have, and you have some of the talent gaps that Big Sky has you got to figure out a way to piecemeal it together. And I know Big Sky went 1-9 and last year, but they were in a lot of games. They're, they weren't just rolling over and dying. This uh-huh. isn't 63 to nothing like a lot of the understaffed teams we've seen in the past. Yeah. But Matt does such a good job of identifying if he has a special athlete and making that guy his offensive weapon. So rather than just screw around at quarterback, put Colter Janicaro at quarterback and run the Wildcat. Yeah. That's what they did with Levi. 
So Colter Jericho, he rushed for 270. That, two, 347 of his yards, 270 of them were on the ground. That almost that threatened his brother's school record. I think the school record right now, Big Sky's 287. So 270 was just short of Levi's record. But I think that's more than anybody has ever rushed for in a game at Big Sky besides Levi Janicaro mm. and Bo Donaldson. More than Carter McGrath did, which was the school record for a really long time from when my when I was a senior at Big Sky. So I know that Big Sky and Hellgate not necessarily expected to be upper echelon teams in AA, but that's a great win for Big Sky. To get a crosstown win in Washington Grizzly Stadium, it sets the tone because now it makes the kids believe. You have something to build off of, and for Big Sky, it's going to be 100% about grit and toughness and just making it happen, and now you have a little bit of positivity, so I think that's a great thing for the Eagles. Missoula Sentinel coming into the season with expectations and maybe level of expectation they haven't experienced before as a program expected to be uh, certainly one of, if not just flat out, the best team in Double A this season. They started off strong, fifty nine nineteen. They win over Kalispell Flathead. Cy uh, Cameron Sermon, Cy Sermon's younger brother, two touchdowns in the air, two touchdowns on the ground, had a seventy five yard score. I believe this is right. Sentinel scored thirty one points in the second quarter of this football game and uh, kind of cruised after the break. So big, big win for Sentinel. Uh, they get the thing done. Billings West. Just crushing Billing Skyview, sixty-two to seven. As we said, Butte finds a way to uh, excuse me, Helena High finds a way to get by Butte, fourteen to nine, a very low-scoring game. Both the Bozeman schools, not named Bozeman, lost. Bozeman did not. Bozeman played on uh, Thursday and lost. So not a great day for Bozeman. And I wonder. I think people are going to go okay. So let's see. The defending state champions, they lose by 20 in their opener to a very good Billing senior team. Without their best player, though. Without their best player, okay. Kent Thyden did not play. Belgrade is now in double-A, and Bozeman Gallatin is now open. And they all go over, and it's just one week, so you're not, you know, it's, it's what it is. But for the longest time, when you only had one double-A school in the the growing city, the growing population that was Bo- that is Bozeman, Montana. You know, there's some advantages there, and you wonder if those advantages. Okay, you're seeing obviously a school in its second year in Belgrade at the AA level, and a school playing its first ever game at the AA level. You're not sitting here expecting them to just go out and be gangbusters, but you just wonder what that talent pool you know is going to start to look like here, and they'll build it up. For sure, but here early, it seems like there's going to be some growing pain. So there you go, a little roundup at the class AA level. I think it's going to be uh, haves and have-nots in AA this year. I think that there's five Mm. clear-cut teams that are pretty dang good. I think there's only a couple teams that are right there in the middle. I think that you know the Helena schools, I think they could be right there in the middle. Mm -hmm. I think the Belgrade, Bozeman, Gallatin, excuse me, Belgrade and Gallatin, Missoula, Hellgate, Missoula, Big Sky, um, those teams are going to struggle mm-hmm. this year. And uh, who knows where Butte fits into the mix. I don't know about CMR, Great Falls High. They all could be okay, but they're not nearly the top. The, the, the top five teams, I think, are the clear-cut top five teams, and that's Sentinel, Bozeman, Senior, West, and Glacier. Yeah, I think those are the top five teams in AA. So we'll see how this continues to play out. Uh, Coulter, speaking of, cl- speaking of uh, 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 high school football here as we roll through our Farmer State Bank, prep extra segment, but mm-hmm. you called a game down at Bitterroot Florence Carlton yep. playing Anaconda, and Florence Carlton has looked really good this season, and they look great again on Friday night. Make no mistake, Anaconda's in a rebuild mm-hmm. right now. They have a new coach. They've been struggling for numbers, but they actually have 33 kids out, which is a 
far a vast improvement from what they. I mean, they were thinking about going to a co-op with Butte Central last year. Mm-hmm. So thirty-two is like close to double the numbers. But Florence had forty-nine kids dressed out on Friday night. I mean, that wow. that is rivaling or probably even exceeding Big Sky and Hellgate. And I just want to clarify. I, I don't know if I said Class A. It's Class B, class of course. B. But class I B. just want to make sure. I don't think I said it. But if I did, just so nearly fifty to be right. Kids, class B, fifty kids is big time. It's big time. But here, here's what I saw on on Friday. Anaconda is going to struggle this year. They, they they have a lot of gaps in, in their roster, but Florence is really good. Hmm. Florence has some exceptional athletes. They have great speed for the Class B level. Right now, I think Florence. We I put Florence number five in our Treasure State Media rankings that Anthony Knock runner up in Calisville yeah. puts together. We'll have those for you later on this week. But I think that next year Florence is going to be one of the clear cut favorites in Class B. Florence Pat Jusheen is been the coach there for a little while now. His son, Pat Jr., is now the quarterback. He's a six foot three hundred and ninety pound sophomore. He can throw on the run. He's got a good arm. He diagnoses stuff really well. They run the hurry up, which I, is becoming more and more common in Montana, but yeah. when they get it rolling, his ability to make decisions on the fly, I was so impressed with Patrick Shane Jr. And they have some great athletes, too. Blake Shoup is a guy that's going to be one of the better prospects in the state of Montana going into his senior year this next year. He's a junior. But Duchene's only a sophomore. They have another kid, Kyle Abbott, who's six foot four, 285-pound, two-way lineman, long, lean, talented. They had, I think, eight kids that really popped to me watching them, and seven of them were either sophomores or juniors. So mm-hmm. I think that they're really loading up moving forward. They took Manhattan, who's the number two team in the in the state in Class B, down to the wire. They lost in overtime last week, a good win this this week against Anaconda, and now they got a great test. Big Fork has has yeah. been advertised as the most athletic team in Class B. Florence was pretty darn athletic, so I'm interested to see how that one played out. But I was very very impressed with the level of football. I thought that the offense was sophisticated, the speed was tremendous, and I think Patrick Shane Jr. is a real real deal quarterback. I will keep my eye on him because I honestly thought. Just given the the measurables, the intangibles, he's a guy that could get some looks here because he's only a sophomore and he can already perform at a pretty high level. To tell Nuwanis, this has been our uh, Farmers State Bank Prep Extra segment. Innovative, mobile, and traditional banking solutions, all of them, from Farmers State Bank online at FarmersEBank.com. Quick break on the other side. The Seattle Seahawks, a resounding win. What does it say about the state of affairs in the Pacific Northwest? Next. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Seahawks 38, Atlanta Falcons 25, the Hawks 1-0. The NFC West 3-1, and and they only had a loss because two teams in the division were playing each other. Had to have an L in there. Best division in football. Boys and girls, good to be with you. It's Tutel Nuanas, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, on Twitter, at Gus Tutel, at 1029 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT. Go follow along there. 
Coulter, uh, you did give it up to Russell Wilson and uh, to the Seahawks in general coming out of our week last week and and our discussion about not whether the Seahawks were good or bad or they're good, but how good would they be and what will their weakness as a defensive line, a defensive front, you know, what will that cost them? Well, in week one, it didn't cost them anything. They were outstanding and Russell Wilson was superlative. 31 of 35 for 322 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 143.1 QBR. I mean, stupid. I can't believe it's not a perfect quarterback rating. What gets you perfect if that's not perfect? I mean, I guess you got to be 35 or 35. No, no, because there's, I don't think no, there's, I'm ever, just, there's I, never been a 35 or 35. I'm actually he trying to throw any picks. It's because he took sacks. That's I'm why. trying to think about who I saw today who had even a better. Well, we've I seen. Think, I think Lamar Jackson actually had a better QBR right, than Russell in this seen, game this weekend. We've seen perfect quarterback ratings before. I think the sacks yeah. is what it is. But at, at the end of the day, he was he was effectively perfect. I mean, he was absolutely uh, unbelievable in every way. And this offense, this we, we've we talked a lot last week about the Seahawks defense and the question marks that they have and the imbalance of a really good secondary and a not as good front four in particular. And what would that mean? Uh, but this offense looked the part. And I, I think that Atlanta is not a great defense, and I think that there's a lot of great defense being played in their division. So they've got work to do, and it's not going to be 31-35 for four scores week in and week out. But for, to, to travel on the road, go you know, 4,000, 3,000 miles, whatever it is, from Seattle to Atlanta, and put on that performance, very, very impressive. The Seattle Seahawks had 55 offensive plays in this game to score 38 points. Atlanta had 54 passes. In, I mean, in this game, it's pretty remarkable. They had 75 total plays, 20 more than Seattle, and uh, and were behind. And and even the 38-25 final. I mean, this game was over well before that. There's a there's one particular series though that I want to that I want to use as a example of what I think it is that Seattle has figured out that other teams just don't do as well, and that it's hard to sort of pick up on, okay, Coulter? Three minutes left in the third quarter. Atlanta is driving. They get down inside the Seahawks red zone. They're on the 19-yard line, okay? Uh First and 10, they hand the ball off to Todd Gurley. He gets stopped for a yard. It was a between-the-tackles run. It was sort of a, a, you know, try and get a couple and get ahead of the sticks. Give Seattle, I guess, credit for making it. It is a non-play, though. I mean, it's not something that you really remember. It's not a big deal. Now it's second and nine. Matt Ryan then throws the ball to Julio Jones. By the way, in all of this, and I have more to say about this as well, the Atlanta Falcons had three wide receivers go over 100 yards. And as I said already, Matt Ryan threw for 450 yards in the game. Anyway, he throws the ball to Julio Jones, who catches the ball in like a short in route, gets tackled right away, but of course makes the catch because he's Julio Jones. And I think it's then third and two. Okay, on the on the 11, 12 on the 11 or 12 yard line, they give the ball to Todd Gurley. Now they're down at this moment in time, 28 to 12. Okay, with with just now about 90 seconds left in the third quarter, they need points, not just points. They need touchdowns, right? They hand the ball to Todd Gurley. And you go, well, what's, how is this going to work? What's going to happen? Who's going to make the plays? Who on the defensive front is going to make the plays? Well, you know who made the play? Jamal Adams, who came up from his safety spot, lined up basically at a wide nine defensive end position and exploded down the back of the offensive line and was the first one to Gurley. He actually was going so fast, he kind of swung around and slid off him. But 
basically stopped his forward momentum, and then it was just a gang tackle of everybody that happened to be standing there. So then it's fourth and two from the same spot, and they go for it because they're already down there in a hole, and they go to throw the football. And Matt Ryan drops back, and you know what he's got? Time. Mm -hmm. He drops back, and there is not a pass rush to be found to get to Matt Ryan. But you know what? Because you're in the short side of the field, even even the extra time he has to go through his second and third progression, there's nothing there. So he takes off rolling out to the right to buy more time, and you know what? Ends up getting sacked by uh, Benson Mayoa. You know who mm-hmm. Benson Mayoa is? Well, you actually might. No one knows who Benson Mayoa is because he's an undrafted defensive end out of Idaho circa <laughs> yes. 2013. He was one of the standout okay? players in camp. So... But the point is... By the way, we got to give a caveat. We did our Big Sky players at the NFL. Yeah. And I only counted Caden Ellis from Idaho because he's the only guy that played in the Big Sky. Right. That's in, but there's actually a lot of guys from... No, I shouldn't say a lot, but if the, Couple, guys, if guys. the guys that were playing for Idaho when Idaho was FBS counted, yeah. there's actually a lot of guys. So that there's just a side note. But... Benson Mayoa is no he's he is as anonymous as you can be as an NFL football player. Yep. And he's you know okay he finally made the play. He didn't do anything spectacular, but as Mike Dugar told us on Friday during our 12 for the 12 segment, look, if the difference of 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 making us, you know, of getting there is 3.1 seconds compared to 3.8 seconds, well if you give them 3.8 seconds they're going to be there cuz they're in the NFL. Right. Like ultimately they are going to get there and even though Matt Ryan had time he had nowhere to go because of that great secondary, and this to me is the formula. It's not because you have Aaron Donald in the middle wrecking entire halves of offensive lines with one swing of his mighty arms and running straight through your quarterback, though it would be great to have that. But what they are, what they have done is they have created a complementary system recognizing their weaknesses and, a lot, and giving up yards. I mean, they gave up 450 yards. 506, in fact. Yeah, 506, but 450 through the air, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but you get down into the red zone and you have these opportunities and then you got playmakers making plays. And you know what? Jamal Adams as a safety is at times going to to play the effectual position of a defensive end when it comes to firing his gun, as they say, and getting after whoever it is, whether it's a ball carrier or a quarterback. The same thing for Bobby Wagner at times, K.J. Wright at times. And they're going to give up yards. They're going to, at times, give up some points. But also, I think Pete Carroll is willing to bet that the way they go about it with the offense that we saw Seattle put together on Sunday, that that is a formula for success ultimately, and 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 Wanda, he believes it couple different notes on this game. First of all, text from one of my uh, liaisons. Thanks yes. so much uh, for the the info. Yards per attempt goes into quarterback rating. Russell Wilson averaged 8.2 yards per attempt. I think that's the one. So he needed to get to like 10 or something like, like that? He needed to get to like 10, yep. Okay. Exactly. And sacks probably have a little bit to do with it as well because it impacts your total passing yards, not rushing yards in the NFL as far as team statistics go. QBR is the most used, least understood stat in all of sports. And now that we have this real quarterback rating as opposed to just standard quarterback rating. It seems as if it's even an antiquated stat at that. <laughs> yeah. A couple things, though, here. Yards are such an empty stat in the NFL. The Falcons outgained the Seahawks 506-383. to 383. It doesn't matter. Had 20 more plays. 20 more plays, six more first downs. It ain't happening. The other things that I want to note here are, one, I think it's so interesting to me the panic mode that so many NFL coaches go into when you're down 14-0. They stop running the ball. I mean, it's like, it's like fourteen to nothing with 
you're still in the first quarter. What you got to establish something. You're down two scores. The game is so long. Why are you doing this? I just couldn't agree with you more on this. I, I heard commentator. Uh, what game I was I watching? I don't remember. It was like actually I think it was the Vikings game, and it was like eleven to three in right. the second quarter. And they're like. You know, do you stay with Dalvin Cook here? And yes. it's like, are you out of your mind? Right. Why Mike Zimmer didn't, I don't know. Even but down even down 22-7, you stay with Dalvin Cook. No matter what the score is, you stay with your best player all the time. <laughs> like, that's that's it. That's it. Yep. And so then you look at this, the box score. Matt Ryan, 54 attempts. Unless it's Chiefs-Rams Monday Night Football from a couple of years ago. <laughs> right. If you throw the ball 54 times, you lost. It doesn't yeah. matter how many yards you throw for. If you throw the ball 54 times, you lost That's that right. game in this NFL. 35 attempts is the sweet spot. That means you're rolling. That's where Russell Wilson was at. So I, I just thought that I was impressed with the Seahawks. But I think that this, this is sort of a new formula because there is this phenomenon of coaches panicking when they're down. The new formula is... Blitz teams, get out as fast as you can. It's what the Ravens do, right? The Ravens try to get up 10 nothing in every game and then just sit on you. The Niners did it so well last year as well. And I think that this is going to be the formula for the Seahawks. I think Pete Carroll might actually make be making an adjustment because like we've talked about, they do have some deficiencies defensively, but they don't have they have the one of the best quarterbacks in the league. If you actually empower him for once, we could see a, a, a completely different identity for the Seahawks this year. The other, the other thing too, though, and this is where I want to hedge this a little bit. The whole, you know, they let Russell Wilson cook. They didn't do their thing where they sit there and slug. Where's it that out come from? I heard that on the radio all day today. Oh, it's it's been a big Seattle thing all off season. Let Russell like cook. Mina Kimes just said. I thought yeah, this yeah, is yeah. actually a pretty good line. She said they let Russell Wilson cook and he made him a whole five course meal. Yes, he did. So they, they they've been because what, why is Seattle fans thing? have been so angry because they, what have they done? Right. They run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Now they're down ten in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden they take the the lat, you know, the the, and the handcuffs the off, and, and yeah. Russell goes bonkers and and does his Russell thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, why can't we just do this to start? So this that's the let Russell cook deal. Um, this is the thing, though. When you look again, if you just look at the stats and you see thirty-one to thirty-five, and you see four touchdowns through the air, I think they had one rushing touchdown. Uh, you go, well, see, this is what happens when you let Russell do his thing. Well, guess what? The first two touchdowns that Russell Wilson threw were not checkdowns, but design screens to Chris Carson out of the backfield, okay? This was not just, oh, well, we're going to let a guy who's league MVP caliber go light it up, though they could, and he did. He, you know, he hit DK Metcalf for a touchdown, and he threw, he threw some nice balls down the field. Good fantasy advice. But Chris Carson... It, it was it was still an extension, if you will, of the run game, even though they were certainly passing touchdowns, and and uh, you know and go to those you know passing statistics. This was still a very run oriented team, and using the running backs in the running game to do what they wanted to do. Did they open it up a little bit? Yes, they did, and you saw the fruits of that against this you know Atlanta defense. But also, it wasn't just we're going to reinvent what we do. It's still Pete Carroll. It's still Brian Schottenheimer. They still believe completely that you got to run the football successfully and to be successful. And I think, but I do think they are kind of shifting a little bit. The last thing I just wanted to say, and uh, I tweeted about. 
about this on Sunday, but I'm just so very happy for Will Disley. Will Disley yeah. was back in this game. He had a catch. I don't even know what his final statistics were, but whether he caught one ball, whether he caught ten balls, the fact that he's back out there after back-to-back season-ending injuries, horrific injury, particularly last season, to do the work that you have to do to go through the solitude, the depression, the pain, and all of it to come back and 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 play again. I'm just very, very happy for him. You know what I mean? To, to be able to have done all of that and to be back out on the field and you know please god could we just this once let let him do the whole thing let's play 16 games if not more 20 games for will disley and uh, and but we certainly wish him the best as a montana product out of bozeman high school obviously went to, to the university of washington and uh, i think we can say friend of the show and uh, and we're very happy to see him back out there and productive and i think as we go i mean i over the course of time this season He's going to usurp Greg Olson. Now, Greg Olson had a touchdown this he game, did. pretty good. But I, he's go, he's the better option ultimately if he you know if he's really confident, feeling good, than is Greg Olson as a tight end uh, at this point. And his connection with Russell Wilson, just from a chemistry standpoint, is very high. Sixtieth career t- touchdown for Greg Olson. He's, wow, he's getting up there as far as uh, elite numbers in yeah. the tight end ranks. But yeah. we'll just see two catches for eight yards. And as far as where we're at in the state of Montana, I think he's a guy that everybody can rally around because. How could you not be more proud of this guy for representing Montana like he has? No Showed question. Montana toughness coming back from those two different injuries. But he's not a cat or a grist, so everybody should get behind him. He's a Washington Husky. I know he's from Bozeman. I know, I know if he was to tell you, you know, who he's rooting for in the rivalry game, he said go Bobcats, but that's okay. And, and I just think that this is, is the man. I think he. It, it's so hard to understate how hard it is to come back from two different right. devastating ligament tears like that from both a physical and mental perspective. So he deserves all the credit in the world, and I agree with you, man. I was really happy for him to, to see that he's back full force already week one despite uh, that injury happening uh, midway through last year. Sutel Nuanas, it's 1029 ESPN Radio. We are at the end of hour number one. But coming up right after this, we're going to get ourselves into a little bit of NBA and also Monday Night Football. Two very intriguing games tonight. I got questions for Coulter about games that are just about to set to kick off the back-to-back games that we get on the first Monday night of the year. I mean, it's like Christmas for crying out loud when we get these two two two-for-one Monday nighters on ESPN. I'm into it. So we'll get all that right after this. Hey, you looking for a place to watch games, whether it's tonight whether it's any night of the week because there's now four professional sports all all happening at the same time. When does that ever happen? You go to the Silver Slipper. They have 55 televisions for you to watch on, so you're not going to miss a thing. NFL, NBA, NHL, does not matter. Silver Slipper will have it for you. They got drink specials every single day, 20 keto machines, a liquor store, pizza. There is nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. The Silver Slipper, it's always about great food, tasty drinks, and their urge to have a good time. And by the way, the card room is back and open. Games nightly at 7 o'clock. Call or text 333-1500. That's 333-1500. Or visit MissoulaPoker.com for more info. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. Also check them out on Facebook for daily drink specials and up-to-the-minute information. It's the Silver Slipper. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore 
live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.